Hey folks, David Glenn here for the David Glenn Show and the brand new North Carolina Sports Network. Today's conference realignment update is brought to you by Sport Clips. Now with more than 70 locations across the great state of North Carolina. To find the location nearest you, visit sportclips.com. We have taken five viewer, listener, and reader questions today. So let's dive right in. Viewer question number one. What is the next thing to watch in this as the ACC turns drama? Answer. Next Tuesday, August 15th is the annual deadline for any ACC school to officially notify the league that it plans to leave the conference the following year. That means if Florida State or anyone else wanted to leave next summer, meaning 2024, they'd have to notify the league by this August 15th, which is almost here, of course. As I've said before, I don't think that's going to happen, almost entirely because of the ACC's grant of rights. Barring a successful legal challenge, which as an attorney since 1994... I would describe as an uphill battle. Any school leaving the ACC next year would both, number one, owe a basic exit fee of more than $120 million, and number two, would be leaving behind 12 years worth of their multimedia rights, meaning something in the neighborhood of $400 million or more. Unless that legal picture changes, remember, the Big Ten and the SEC have essentially zero incentive to extend an invitation to Florida State, Clemson, or any other ACC school besides Notre Dame, which controls its own football TV rights and also happens to love its football independence here in the summer of 2023. On to viewer question number two. If a majority of ACC schools want to add some combination of Stanford, Cal, and Southern Methodist, as has been reported widely, why hasn't it happened? The answer, ACC bylaws specify all sorts of different voting thresholds for various conference matters. For example, some things do require only a majority vote to pass. And right now that would mean, of course, eight of the 15 ACC schools. And my sources tell me that it is true that a majority of ACC schools are in favor of expansion right now. However, under ACC bylaws that were passed long ago, other voting topics require a higher threshold to pass, either two-thirds or three-quarters. On many matters, it's even specified that it must be a quote-unquote absolute vote, meaning not just two-thirds or three-quarters of those present at the time, but two-thirds or three-quarters of the entire membership even if there is a quorum of fewer than 14 members present at the time of the vote, which would be enough in some other contexts. As you might guess, invitations to expansion candidates are definitely considered absolute three-quarters voting matters, as are any proposed amendments to the ACC's constitution or bylaws. Because three-quarters of the 15 current ACC members comes out to 11.25, that's mathematically speaking, that means functionally that 12 of 15 votes are needed to invite a new member. Put in a different way, if there are four or more schools that do not want to, ex to extend an expansion invitation, it is not going to happen. And at last check, there were at least four schools that have told their colleagues that if it does come to a an official vote, which it hasn't yet, rather than just these ongoing discussions they've had all, all week long, if it comes to an official vote, those four schools to this point would vote no. That's why they don't bring it to an official vote. They'll only do that if they believe they have the 12 votes needed to extend an expansion invitation. I believe that I know the identity of those four schools 
and three of them are Florida State and Clemson and the University of North Carolina. I'm still trying to iron out the fourth school that is voting no, and maybe there's a fifth. There is some reporting out there elsewhere that indicates that someone else has gotten to the point of identifying all four or five. On to viewer question number three. Why does Notre Dame get a vote on expansion when the Irish are not even full members in football themselves? Fair question. Here's the answer. It's quick and easy. While I see fans having a philosophical debate about this, should a school that is still independent in football have a vote on membership matters? The more practical conversation is very simple. Notre Dame never would have joined the ACC in the first place if it did not have an official vote on membership matters. Period. End of story. The Irish did not need to join the ACC in all of their other sports or the other sports that the league sponsors back in 2013. The Irish had plenty of leverage, including a lucrative football TV deal with NBC that it still has, and an incredibly strong football brand name as a famous century-long independent on the gridiron. The question for ACC decision makers a decade ago was entirely about, do you want Notre Dame as an all-but-football member? Only in this alternative, imaginary, hypothetical, hindsight-style, second-guessing, social media or message board nonsense-style world does anyone believe that the Irish would have joined the ACC a decade ago without full voting rights on membership matters? It is really that simple. On to viewer question number four, which is the most complicated of the five. Bear with me. Why are Stanford, Cal, and SMU so intriguing to the majority of ACC schools? The short answer is that among the schools that are not already tied to the expanding Big Ten, which will have 18 members next year, or the expanding Big 12, which will have 16 members next year, or the expanding SEC, which will have 16 members next year. Beyond those, those three schools, Stanford, Cal, and SMU, have been offering the possibility, at least, of very creative new revenue streams in ways that most other available schools simply cannot or will not deliver. For example, Stanford, Cal, and SMU all would add both new inventory to ESPN, which would mean a total increase of more than $100 million a year in the ACC's existing deal with ESPN. That would apply actually regardless of any three schools they might add. But Stanford, Cal, and SMU also would add significant value to the ACC network, which after a very slow start, finally gained full distribution in December 2021 and actually exceeded its original financial projections for the last two academic years. ESPN has negotiated contract terms with its various carriers such that the ACC network, which launched in August 2019 as a partnership between ESPN and the ACC, gets only nickels per month from its out-of-state subscribers, such as those in California and Texas right now, but more than $1 a month from its in-market subscribers, meaning those states that already have at least one ACC member. In other words, if you're located in North Carolina, as I am, and have the ACC network as part of your pay TV package, as I do, you're paying something in the neighborhood of $12 to $15 a year for that channel. In California and Texas right now, if you have a carrier that is providing you the ACC network, you're paying $1 a year for that channel. A very important reminder and full disclosure here. Everybody who knows me knows that those things are very important to me. These are only ballpark estimates. 
They are provided by industry analysts and my sources because neither the ACC nor those pay TV providers releases the official numbers for the ACC network or any other channel for that matter. And I promise you, you will not be able to find any of these prices for these live TV channels as a line item on your monthly pay TV bill. California and Texas are by far the two most populous states in America. Combined, just those two states make up more than 20% of the entire United States population. California has about 39 million people. Texas has about 30 million people. Combined, they also have more than 25 million TV households and an estimated 15 million pay TV households, meaning those that pay for live television through either one, a cable company such as Comcast or Spectrum, two, a satellite company such as DirecTV or Dish, or three, an internet-based company such as Hulu with Live TV, or YouTube TV, or DirecTV Stream, or Sling TV, or Fubo TV. Among those 15 million pay TV households, it is impossible to know how many packages that in how many of those packages have the ACC network, but since the ACC network got full distribution a couple years ago, that has become a very high percentage. Assuming that ESPN has the same contract language in its current deals than it has had in the past, let's say the additions of schools based in California and Texas would turn some large chunk of those 15 million pay TV households from $1 a year subscribers to the ACC network to now 12 to $15 a year subscribers to the ACC network. That is an overall revenue increase in those two states that is worth, just a reasonable guesstimate, another $100 million plus in new ACC network revenue. So if ESPN is going to pay a new $100 million plus per year for the three new schools, and if the ACC network will get another $100 million plus per year in new revenue from those same additions, what's the problem? Why the four or so no votes? Well, here's where it gets even more complicated, and I apologize for such things. First, every time you expand, of course, you're ultimately dividing the financial pie into additional slices, which waters down the economic impact. Instead of dividing the ACC's shared revenue 15 ways, at some point, it would have to be divided 18 ways. That waters down the impact. In part because Stanford and Cal have little leverage as members of the falling apart Pac-12, both have indicated to the ACC that they would be willing to take only a partial financial share, maybe only 60% in their early years of ACC membership. What does that mean? Well, if there were a year where an existing ACC school would get a $50 million check from the ACC office, and that's a reasonable number as we look forward to the rest of this decade, Stanford and Cal would get only 60% of that check, or $30 million each instead of the $50 million. And the $30 million is actually a much better number than they could get anywhere else right now. Thanks to some extremely wealthy boosters who believe it's worth their long-term investment to see Southern Methodist in a Power Four conference, the Mustangs even have offered to take a zero share from the ACC for their first five to seven years of membership. An amount over that longer period would be worth more than $300 million. Obviously, those partial or zero shares for new members over a period of years would allow the ACC to redirect more of those new millions to its existing members, and that certainly helps. With the new ACC network revenue, though, remember that, number one, there, too, would be new and significant expenses tied to incorporated those three far-away schools to those broadcasts. And number two, whatever new revenue expansion would bring, 
the bottom line would be reduced by those new expenses, and then that amount would be split between ESPN and the ACC. It's a partnership. So once you do that additional math, the ACC network windfall is not nearly as large, especially once you get to the point later down the road where you are dividing into 17 full shares plus Notre Dame's partial share. Viewer question number five, our last of the day. Why aren't North Carolina-based schools with strong football traditions, mainly Appalachian State and East Carolina in Greenville, App State and Boone, of course, why aren't they ever mentioned as ACC expansion candidates or targets? I have seen a lot of speculation on this. Sometimes I've even seen angry, misdirected nonsense on this from people who should know better. Over the years, the speculation has been that UNC and or NC State as the top two public universities here in North Carolina, and obviously both are founding members of the ACC, that they have had some sort of vendetta against the Pirates and would never allow them or App State into the ACC. I am not saying that there are not people who do not like each other, especially in those various fan bases, but the vendetta claims miss one very important aspect that makes the entire debate an entirely moot point. One quick side note, my only son is a proud graduate of ECU. My only daughter is a soon-to-be-proud graduate of App State, so I have a soft spot in my heart personally for both of those places. I've been to both schools dozens of times. We're bringing our new Old North State tailgate and traveling sports circus to both Boone and Greenville this year, including for the Pirates' trip to Boone to face the Mountaineers on September 16th, and they have always been a big part of what we've done with these various and different incarnations of the David Glenn Show over the last 25 years, dating all the way back to the late 1990s. The reality of the matter, though, is that there has never been a shred of interest in the ACC adding ECU, App State, or any other North Carolina-based school for that matter, and it is definitely not because of some underlying disrespect or antagonism toward the Pirates or the Mountaineers from anyone at UNC, NC State, or anywhere else in the ACC. There is a much more innocuous explanation for this. While there have been a small number of exceptions to this general rule I am going to share with you, the overwhelming majority of realignment in college sports over the last three decades has included a desire to add a new state or new states to a league's geographic footprint. By definition, that means expanding to states where a league does not already have a team or teams. Think about it. The expanded Big Ten will have 18 schools in 15 different states. The expanded SEC will have 16 schools in 12 different states. Neither of those two super heavyweight leagues, which are doing all the smartest things financially, has more than two schools in any single state. And that is not an accident. There's absolutely an intention behind such things because it feeds the need to cultivate new and different parts of the United States in ways that inspire those new places to begin to care more about Big Ten sports or SEC sports or ACC sports or whatever else. The ACC already has not two, not three, but four schools in the great state of North Carolina in Duke, UNC, NC State and Wake Forest, of course. The only other example of such a phenomenon in any of the Power Four conferences is in the Big 12, and it's with the absolutely enormous state of Texas, which now counts Baylor and Houston and Texas Christian and Texas Tech as members. I would argue that it is not mere coincidence that the ACC and the Big 12 are struggling financially compared to the Big 10 and the SEC, whose memberships in those latter leagues for decades 
have consisted overwhelmingly of large public flagship universities in a wide variety of very populous states. Those are exactly the sorts of things, along with high-level football, that translate into bigger TV audiences and more TV dollars. Another thing to remember, as I outlined earlier with the Stanford, Cal, and even SMU examples, is the dramatic difference between what the ACC network, Big Ten network, and SEC network can charge to in-market consumers versus what they can charge to out-of-market customers. Adding App State or ECU adds literally zero to the carriage fees of the ACC network because it is already charging the much higher in-market rate all across the state of North Carolina. Obviously, by adding schools in California and Texas, millions of households that had previously paid nickels per month for the ACC network would immediately be paying more than $1 a month for the same channel. That would mean tens of millions of dollars of new revenue for the ACC network every year, whereas, again, adding a school that's located within the ACC footprint does not add any value in that particular and very important category. The bottom line in the modern college sports world, which revolves mostly around football TV money, which at least in part revolves around expanding a league's geographic footprint, why would any school in the ACC want to have more than four schools based in the same state? In this case, meaning, of course, the great state of North Carolina. That is the exact opposite of what the league's TV partners wants, want and what the league members want. We know that ACC officials, along with their partners at ESPN, have looked at schools such as Cincinnati, West Virginia, SMU, Cal, Stanford, Oregon, and Washington in recent years. What do all of those schools have in common? They're all located in states that do not already have an ACC member. Again, that is not mere coincidence, and it underlines the ongoing reality that App State and ECU have not even been on the fringes of ACC expansion conversation, much less in the middle of it, not because of personal animosity, but because some of the most basic elements of college football's current television marketplace demand that to be the case. You never say never. Somewhere down the road, geography might matter more in a different way, more in the way that you want more of your fellow member schools to be closer to you for shorter trips. And with streaming taking on more importance and TV's Nielsen ratings taking on gradually less importance, maybe there will come a day where App State or ECU or somebody else can show the ACC or the other Power Four conferences that that many millions and millions of people care. The reality is right now, when two in-state schools play, most of the time there are exceptions. When Duke and Carolina play in football, it's a small TV audience. Why? Because people in 49 other states mostly don't care. In fact, when ECU and App State last played on national TV, it was a tiny audience. Why? Because people in the other 49 states mostly don't care. The ACC and none of the other Power Four conferences want anything to do with that math. So you can be mad if you're an ECU fan or disappointed if you're an App State fan. Just remember, it's nothing personal, and it's just how the college football television marketplace is working right now. I'm David Glenn from The David Glenn Show and the new North Carolina Sports Network. Learn more if you'd like to check out our YouTube channel, The DG Show Podcast, or my articles. They're all available at our website, ncsportsnetwork.com. Thanks for being with us, and have a great weekend.